Good morning and blessings in Jesus' name again this morning. I think what Warren was trying to say there in a really nice way was that um, the Tony that was then and the Tony that is now is two different people. We won't talk about the Tony that was then. Maybe that wasn't quite the way he framed that, but uh, aren't we glad that we aren't the person we once were? Um, like, aren't, aren't we glad to be redeemed? And I'm not sure that I, well, I know. I know I'm not, I, don't, I know I don't have um, life all figured out, but, I'm, but I, I've got some things figured out, and I'm glad I'm not there anymore. I'm glad, I'm glad those are behind me. You know, sometimes when you think about young people, think about us getting older, and I told someone the other day, I said, you know, what young people don't understand is that as you get older, you're just okay with being older. Like, I'm okay with not going out and playing volleyball like I used to, or softball. Like, every time I go play softball, I get hurt. So I just kind of quit, okay, because I don't know when to stop. And I'm okay with that. I can go and just watch. I, I'm, I'm just fine with that. And I, I can look back, I can look at my children and like, wow, what would it be like to be a teenager again? You know, like, I could do all this great stuff. And then I'm like... I, I, I wouldn't want to have to go through the last 30 years again. That, I'm, I'm glad that's behind me. Uh, that's part of maturing, I guess. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that the Lord has brought us where He has. Long ways to go yet. I told my wife last night, I said, I, I just, some, somehow to just, just get God poured into me or, or just, just like, how, how how do you grow? How do you just like? Yeah, I don't know. And I said, and I'm I'm not convinced that just having an extra half hour of devotions on in the morning before I go to work that's not really the answer. I mean, you can read more scripture and and pray more, but but like how how do you do that? And I'm blessed when I come for meetings because I have this. I call my I call it business in a bag. I have a little attaché thing, and it's packed full with all my work files. And if I ever lost that, I would be like. You know, there goes all my, that's my business right there in that little bag. And I have that bag along because my son might call me with a question and I might have to pull up a file and try to figure something out. But for the most part, and so far I have, that bag has sat in my room and it's zipped shut. And it stays there. And there's something when you just spend time in the Word, and that's your focus, it does something for you. And when I go for a week of meetings, I am blessed. It is good for me. And so I'm, I feel sorry for those of you who don't get to do that. Maybe you're glad you don't have to, but um, it, it is is good to serve the Lord. Um, it, it is it is a blessing to serve the Lord. So we've been looking at um, our verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who is made unto us wisdom and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. So this morning we are ready to look at redemption. What does it mean to be a Christian? How does that work? Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened, who are dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, 
among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We'll stop reading there. This is one of my, one of my favorite passages. And I was at a minister's meeting shortly after I was ordained at, uh, SMBI's minister's study week. And Collier Berkshire had a, had a class that week on how to integrate people into Anabaptism. So if you know Collier's story, um, one weekend when he was not high, he went with his friend to a Mennonite church and he heard the gospel and he became a Christian. Um, so how do we bring people into the Mennonite church was the point of his class. So the first day he gets up in class and he says, so how many of you think there are people in the in our churches who are not Christians? Like, do you think there could be people in the Mennonite church who are not born again? Yeah, I think there probably could be. He says, how many of you think there are people in your church who are not born again? Yeah, I, I think I know people in my church pretty good. I'm pretty confident that, I, that there would, I'm pretty confident there. He says, how many of you would think there might be Mennonite ministers who are not born again? Hmm. And then he said, are you born again? Hmm. And he, his point was, we grow up in church, and we get up and we go to Sunday school, and we preschool learns verses, and then to primary and junior, and then somewhere in there, you know, they there's an instruction class, and maybe what about intermediate young youth in there, and they join the instruction class, and all the rest of the people are, and it's a thing to do, and everyone else is getting becoming saved, and so I I become saved, and and uh, get married, and go on with life, and you know you get about 30, 35, and we have an ordination, and all of a sudden. Huh. We're ordained, we look good, but do we really know what it is to be saved? Like, have we really had that experience? Do we know what it is to be dead in sins? Like, do we realize that about ourselves? Or have we just thought, you know, I'm not really all that bad. I, I, we, we just go through life. And his per- first point that morning was, and we stood every morning that week and read this passage, and his question was, are you saved? Do you know what it is to be born again? As I said last night, you know, maybe you can't nail that down and, and no one is. I, I mean, I know when I first made my initial commitment and I think there is not like, there may be an initial commitment, but there should be multiple commitments as you go through life, okay? You're going to learn more things as you go. And, and so you're going to make a commitment and I don't think it's, it's a, it should not be out of line for the ministers to stand here at an invitation. Okay? You should not be shocked if your ministers show up here. That, that should be fine. Like, oh my, what? You know what? He's just like you and he's learning and growing and the Lord points out something in his life. That should be, that should be normal. And so I, so I said, maybe you don't have a specific time, but if you don't have the first time, you should know the second time or the third time. And that day, at lunchtime, I went to a corner of SMBI and found an empty office and I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I want 
this to be real, okay? If there never was before, now it is again. Y'all, I want to drive another state. I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to acknowledge who I am before you, and then I need you. We just, we just need Jesus. I got a, I was in one of my messages I didn't preach. That we just need Jesus. We just have to have Him. It's not an option. We have to have Him to survive. And you have the quickened who are dead in trespass and sin. Like that's that's all of us. So some of you would have known Jeff Fuller, married Yvonne Kaufman. And uh, he was a member of our church. And he died when he was 44 years old. He had a heart attack. Found him in his machine at work. And uh, Jeff became a Christian when he was in his late 30s. We knew that. Didn't know much about his past. We knew Jeff was redeemed and uh, serving the Lord. Well, so we met with his family, and as we were planning the funeral, and as is typical in our world today, the point of the funeral is to tell stories about the person who died. Okay, that's I mean, so they were filling us in on all these stories about Jeff. They thought we as preachers were going to want to know this, so we could tell it at the funeral. You know, that was kind of the point. Um, and we learned lots of things about Jeff we didn't know before. He was a kind of a hermit, lived up on an island for a while. And uh, after after he died, Steve Schrock was working at the local car dealer, and they said, some of the guys said, yeah, we used to know a Jeff Fuller. But this guy, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have gone to your church. He was like a long-haired hippie and druggy and alcoholic. That's who he was. And Steve said, yeah, it was, it was the same guy. Jeff used to work with our neighbor, and sometimes they would Jeff would reminisce about the way he used to live. And our neighbor just lives a half mile down the road there, and he's a good friend of our family. And Bill would say, well, maybe I should go talk to the Zooks about this. Jeff would be like, well, I would just assume you wouldn't. I would, I would be, i just assume they wouldn't know about all the things I used to do. And so we were discussing this passage one time, and my daughter, who was probably 10 at the time, um, but she was, him and her and I were having this debate, and she's like, well, Daddy, you weren't bad like Jeff was. No, I, I was. I was just as wicked as Jeff was. No, but Daddy, but you never did those same things Jeff did. Well, no, I didn't do the same thing Jeff did, but I was still, I was still wicked. But no, Daddy, you weren't, you weren't as bad as Jeff. Yes, I was. And like, we all are just as bad as whoever. That's all of us. Do we see that? This passage says, verse 1, you are dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 2, where in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Who's the prince of the power of the air? That's Satan. You, each of you walked in the power or in the presence of Satan. That is the way each of you were. Verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation, our lifestyle in times past, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's all of us. All of us were wicked and sinful. Now you can make... Um, there might be some theological debate. Well, we won't, we won't, go, we won't go there right now. But I think this, this is all of us. This is all of us. Children of wrath. We were dead in sins, verse 5. We needed to be quickened. This is who all of us are. So how do we get from there to saved? Whatever saved means. So let's assume you never heard of, you never heard of God, you never heard of salvation, you're just, you're just 
this is all new and strange, which, by the way, I would say our world is largely that way today. I would say, I mean, I'm, I don't know Blooming Prairie, but I would, I would guess if you go to Blooming Prairie, you know, probably 90% of the people are not going to be able to, 90% of the people probably don't even really know what it means to be born again. Then there's some that might be, have some idea of it. What does it mean? How would you, how would you explain that? Um, if you're just, when Ellis goes to Chicago and street meetings, like, so someone comes up and says, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? Like, so what do you, where, where do you even start? Like, how do you explain that? Um, someone want to venture out here. So how would you explain what is, why do you need to be a Christian? You should be all well-versed theologians, okay? Why do you need to be a Christian? Someone else. Well, how would you explain the need of a savior? What would be the first first thing you would tell someone? We're doomed to perish. We're doomed to perish. God so loved the world. Okay, so we're we're doomed to perish. How how do you plan? On, how are you going to perish? I mean, is the communist coming, or how are you going to eternal death? E- how do you know that? You ever been there before? You know anyone that's been in eternity? So God, who's God? Like, really? I mean, so, who's that? Someone else. Or you might say, well, you need to be saved. Saved? Well, saved from what? That's actually a, that's actually a, a biblical word, okay? So there's some of these words that we, we use and we just, we just know it, and we're like, well, I don't know where they came from. Um, okay? Or, you're lost. I'm not lost. I know exactly where I am. I mean, I can pull out my phone and show you right here. I'm right here on the map. I'm, I know right where I am. I know how to get home. First, I mean, I know how to get there without my map. But I, I, I'm not lost. What does that, how do you do that? Justin just about you know, stole my thunder right there. He just, he just went right back to the, to the core. Because you have to go to the beginning. You have to go to a God who created us and a God who gives us some directives. Genesis chapter 2. I, I've, just, I've just been impressed with the power of God as a being. And we don't... Like, we don't... We're, we're Western Christians, okay? Like, we don't, we don't think in the spirit world. If we're in the, if we're in the native communities... Things are dark. I just read a book by um, someone who worked. He had helped. To, uh, he was the, the lead missionary that went to find Jim Elliott and those five missionaries. He was the one that went in there. Nate Saint was actually his pilot. I just read a book by him and, and the headhunters and so on. And then I've been listening some to uh, uh, the pineapple story with Otto Koning. And, and in the jungles where they live, and it was just depressing. And just dark and oppressive. And, and they knew what it was. 
their gods. They, they feared their gods. They knew what their gods were. And, and Otto Koning would say, well, my God tells me to do this. And, and I just don't think of God in the, I don't think of God as uh, equal with, with the devil, okay? Like, I don't, I don't put him in that category, like, this is their God, this is my God, I do what my God says. But he would go and he went and helped his enemies one time. They were dying and they were, they were wanting to kill him and he goes and helped them. They're like, why did you come help us? He said, my God told me I had to. Well, they know what it is when your God makes you do something. They, they understand the fear of that, okay? And we don't, like, we don't see God in that way. It was just good for me to see God as this, this powerful being that, that is awesomeness. And our, and our Western world doesn't see that. Okay, our, we do not live in the context of, we, we, we think in science and technology, okay? And we explain everything by time, science and technology in our, in our culture. So Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. And the Lord God, okay, here's this great God, took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. From the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So this God, this is the God that, you know, this is my God that can, controls me, that controls what I'm supposed to do, just like these these devil worshippers have their gods that they are scared of and they know who he is. This is the God that made us. And God said, don't eat of that tree. Go down to verse chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of this every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee, that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me to eat of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is it that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field, upon thy belly thou shalt go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, in sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which, thou, which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. 
God is in charge. This is His garden. This is His rules. He's the He's the great. He's the the God that's giving the instructions here. This is God's domain. This is His. You have your business. You have your property. This is this is yours. This is the way you do it on your your domain. This is God's domain. He's under control. And God gave a rule. And his rule was pretty simple. One rule. Just don't eat of this one tree. Whatever that fruit was. And if you do eat of that, what's going to happen? What was the consequences? Thou shalt surely die. And so Eve took of the apple or the fruit or whatever it was and Adam took of the apple and they took a bite and they fell over dead. So what happened? In the day thou shalt eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Did they die? So man is a man is a threefold being. By the way, this is a there are no original thoughts, okay? None of us are original, okay? This is, I got this from my dad. Someone told me that Marcus Lynn lived too long to spread his false theology, but anyhow. Um, we, are a, we are a threefold being as, as people. We are a body. That's the part here that you see. This is my, this is my shelf. That's my body. We have a soul. Our soul is the best way I can describe our soul is, is our person inside, our personality, okay? It's, it's the me, it's the, you know, we could take Dwight and put his soul in Jocelyn's body and he would look like Jocelyn but he would act like Dwight, okay? The soul is the you, it's, it's the, it's the person. Okay, and then we also are a spirit. And our spirit, and so our, our body is what connects us here to the earth. It's, it's the part that's here on the earth. Um, when our body dies, it it's, stays here. Our soul lives is the eternal being of us. That's the part that lives forever. It's not going to be here on the earth. It's going to someday go to eternity. And our spirit is what connects us to God. So in the when man died, or when man sinned, God says, In the day you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Did his body die? No. Did his spirit die? I mean, did his soul die? No, his soul's going to live forever. So what died? His spirit is what died, and his spirit is what connected him to God, and he lost his connection with with the Father. Um, and not only did he sin and lose that connection, they also brought sin into the world and introduced the concept of sin. So before there was no sin, there was no... Um, guilt, like we can't even fathom what that would have been like to be without sin. But now it's been introduced. Um, and it's here and, and you can't get rid of it. So all of you as farmers know what it is to have dyed diesel fuel. And you want, you know what the hell that works. Um, and I, I guess I don't know this for sure, but when I was driving truck, they used to bring a, a tanker and, and uh, fill our, you know, I think what's a tanker hold? 10,000 gallons? I think that's what it holds. And they come and they would fill our tank. And I was told that they would take one quart of dye and dump that in the top of the of the tank. And and one quart of dye would do ten thousand gallons. And you know how pervasive that dye is. Like when it, it's in there, it's in there. 
And you can run it through your, you can put in your, your vehicle, and you can run a tank of dyed fuel through your, your pickup, and then you can run successive ta- tanks of regular fuel through, and they can go in and they can find that dye, that one quart to 10,000 gallons, they can find that dye in your fuel filter. Or they can go find that dye on the side of your tank. It's just there. It's, it's pervasive. You can't get rid of it. That's what happened with sin. It's here. We're, <laughs> it's here. It's like an invasive water species. You know, they just found out we've got zebra mussels in our lake, you know. Um, it's just going to be there. That's just the way it is. You can't get rid of it. Romans 5 says, Whereas by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. As by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So because of Adam and Eve, sin was brought into the world. And our connection with, with God is, is gone. And furthermore, um, it isn't just that, that we have sin in the world, but we are born now without, we are born with a sin nature. So I said the other day, I, I used the illustration of, of a heart. And, uh, imagine that this heart is all, all filled in here. And it's, and it's a black, it's a black heart. Um, and that's the way we are, we are born. We are born with a sin nature. We are born, I don't know if I want to use the word evil. So, so my neighbor used to say, I used to, told this in church one time, and my neighbor said, no, children aren't born evil. Like, they're not born with a sin nature. Um, they're born like a blank slate. Um, so Justin, do you have, uh, have you seen any evidence of a sin nature in your child? Alan, have you seen any evidence of a sin nature yet? You will shortly, okay? It'll, it'll show up. <laughs> Bill Gothard used to say, of course, Bill Gothard never never was married, never had any children, but he used to say, you know, little girls, you, you, sh- you shouldn't spank them right away, but... You know, you should wait at least two weeks, two weeks for little girls, but little boys you can start right away. <laughs> uh, they, it's, it's there. It, it, it shows up pretty quick. And no one has to teach them that. Like they, they, and you can tell that first time it's an angry cry and not just a needy, a needy cry. They, there's something there. And they, it rises up and they, they, that nature is, is within us. And there's no hope. Like, like there's, there's, it's in you. It's like that dyed diesel fuel. It's in there. You can't get it out. You're done. You're, you're history. Um, there's, there's no hope. And the reason that there's no hope is because our only source of hope is God, right? Like that's our only source of eternal life. And we just lost our connection to Him. And we can't get there anymore. We're cut off and we're sinners and our, and our nature's that. And, and we're just, and we're separated. And so the Bible says that God cannot abide in the presence of sin. So we see that in the New, in the Old Testament with the, with the tabernacle and, and even with Moses or, you know, God told Moses, you may not see my face. Um, God cannot abide in the presence of sin. Even the high priest, when they would go into the Holy of Holies, every, once a year they would, they would go and they make an atonement for their sin. They go through this elaborate process. And, and history would tell us, um, tradition, Jewish tradition would tell us 
that they would tie a rope onto the foot of the high priest in case when he went in to the Holy Holies to make an atonement, if things weren't just right and God struck him dead, they could pull him out because there was no way to get in there to get him out because you were in the presence of God. You cannot go to the presence of God. And we cannot go to God to receive forgiveness and He cannot come to us. We can't go there because the minute we step into God's presence, we're struck dead. And God wants relationship with us. I said the other night that God wants us more than we want Him. And I, I'm convinced of that. And so God wanted to come down to earth and, and help us, but the minute He came down here, He's just going to strike us dead. Because He can't be in the presence of, of sin. So when I, was, when I was a little boy, 12 years old, 11 years old, I was in the apartments at Lansing, came down one night and told my dad that I wanted to be a Christian, and so he did some diagramming. I'll still use the diagram today. And so we have this great, this great gulf that's fixed between us, and we have, we have God up here, and we have man down here, and man really wants to get to God. And, and we have this desire within us to do what is right and you know, just as I was expressing to my wife last night, like how, how, like I want more of God, like that, we, we want that. And that's on a, this year, and we're just like, we just want to be saved, we just, we want to be done with the dread and the fear and the, so Otto Koning said he, he was reaching out to these people and, and they're headhunters and they're, they're, it's dark and he's like, so Lord, how do I know if anybody's even making it to heaven? Like how, I keep telling them about you and, and they keep dying and I like, are they saved? Am I doing any good? And, and one day, um, the villagers came back and says, Otto's, or Tuan, they called him, said, Tuan, so and so just died. He's like, no, not him. And they said, yes, he died. And then he came back to life and he told us that everything that you have told us is right. And apparently he had been unconscious or something and had a vision or something. He came back and, and Tuan, he said, he saw, he saw that place up there that you're telling us about, and he saw, and he named people from the village that he saw there. And he said, you believe Tuan, Tuan is right, you go believe in his God. And then he said, I'm gonna go there now, and he laid down and died. And they said, Tuan, he was not scared. Everyone else screams and moans, and the devils come, the demons are coming to get us and keep them away from us, and Tuan, he was not scared. He was ready to die. That's that's what we want. We want this. We want this avenue of God, and we we can't get there, and He can't come to us. And we have two problems. I already said we are we are naturally spiritually dead, and when we're dead, we're dead. Like like you can't you can't like make a corpse look better because they're dead. A dead thing is dead. It doesn't do any good to sanctify us and take care of our sins because we're dead. Our, our spirit is dead. It's one of the problems with modern counseling is I think they try to make skeletons smile. They're trying to take care of these <laughs> sins and take care of their problems, but they haven't fixed the heart. We're dead. We know what it is. Children is a well evidence by their nature. And if that isn't enough that we're born dead, we've also done some sins on our own. So we're sinners by nature, 
That's the way we're born, and we're also sinners by choice. Anybody here not sinned? So how many of you have told a lie? Everybody, okay, like, like I said last night, if you don't raise your hand, you, you just told them. But I'm sure we all did. Uh, how did you learn to tell a lie? How many of you had an older sibling tell you, now this is what you do just so you stay out of trouble? Anybody, did that happen to anybody? I don't think it had to happen. Like, we all just knew, you know? And mom comes and says, Johnny, did you get in the cookie jar? And just something tells us that we probably should say no. <laughs> you know, like, there was, there was no class that said you should lie about this. We just, uh, <laughs> nope, I wasn't in the cookie jar. We just, we just know that. We have all sinned. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned. Like, everybody has sinned. So we're born that way, and then we we've do that. First John says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar because we are, we have, we have sinned. Now there's, there's two things. The Bible talks about two things. The Bible talks about sin and sins. Okay? So sin is this nature that we're born with. This is, this is our, um, how did I word that here? Sinner by nature. Okay? That's, that's sin. Okay? And then sins are the things that we do that are wrong. And so I, Hit my brother, which that that happened. Um, I I told lies. Um, I got mad at my brother after he hit me back, um, and I I commit all these I commit all these sins. Okay, I've, I've done these evil things. Now, what makes you a sinner? Your sin or your sins? Why are you a sinner? Okay. So are we a sinner because of our sin nature, or are we a sinner because of the sins that we committed? Both, really. Both, really. Okay. Okay. Um, so how many of you accepted the Lord when you were 12 and under? Like, how many of you? Okay. So how many of you at that point would have said you were aware that you were a sinner by nature. Like, why did you why did you feel the need to come to the Lord? I'm going to say, and I'm, I don't know that this is wrong, I'm going to venture that most of us at that stage became a Christian because of the we knew we had done sins. Like, we understood, I hit my brother, and, and okay, that that's why I... When you're 11 years old, um, that... Like, I didn't have that comprehension to, to understand my vileness. I didn't understand Ephesians chapter 2. Caller Berkshire said that his his desire was that his... Like, he didn't want his children to become a Christian when they were 8 years old. Um, but what do you do when your child comes and says, I want to be a Christian? I, we, we should not discount that. They have They understand a little bit, and so... He, he struggled a bit how to do this, and so his, he, where he came to is, so his children come to him and says, Dad, I want to be a Christian. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll, we'll accept that. Um, but he said, there's going to come a time in your life when you're going to understand in a greater way. 
And I think actually this happens multiple times, you already mentioned. We keep understanding more things and we commit in more things. Because there's going to come a time when you're going to realize that you have to have Jesus to exist. Like you have to have Jesus. You have to have it. And this isn't just like, well, I, I don't want to go to hell. Okay, no, this is, I need Jesus to exist, to live. And so, so he told this, his, this to his son. And, uh, he said his son was about 14 years old and, and he was just having trouble. School was not going well and he was, as I remember, he was angry and upset and whatever. And one day, one day Collier went to him and says, you know, son, remember that discussion we had when you initially gave your heart to Jesus? I said, there's going to come a time when you're going to realize you can't live your life without the power of Jesus living within you. And you need him to live a godly life. Remember that? Yeah, he remembers that. He's like, I think that's kind of where you're at. Like, this, you don't, you, you need, you, you're on, you're up against your sin nature here. You're realizing you can't do this and you need God to take care of the sin nature. He said, and, and I, I think that's where you're at. And he said, uh, you can, I can help you with that or if you can, you can pray about it yourself if you want and, okay, dad. Then he went on his way. Nothing happened. Next day, next day, a week went by, two weeks went by and Collier's like, Hmm, what's what's going like what what's happening? After a couple of weeks, the school teacher came to him and says, Collier, did your son just become a Christian? He's different. He's not he's not responding the way he's a different guy than he used to be. And Collier was like, Yes! There's something hit, there's like something happened there. We need we need to have that taken care of. That sin nature. And and so we're a sin because we're sinners, and the reason we sin, the, re- the reason that we commit acts of sins is because we are a sinner by nature, okay? Sinners sin. That's what sinners do. Like, we shouldn't be shocked by that. Um, so, remember our conversation the other night, and I'm, I'm not going to contradict you, but I, I'm, you can come to me later if you want. So I have friends... Who um, I have a good a good friend and his his wife's parents are divorced, and so when when his mother in law comes to visit with her new husband, they do not allow them to stay at their house, okay, because that is not a legitimate relationship. And when they go to visit them, they do not stay at their house. They're not going to stay in the house where this sin is taking place. I, I respect that, okay? But I, but I have, I have a little different take on that. My point is, what, why are, why are they living in adultery? They are not wicked and evil people because they're living in adultery. They're living in adultery because they are wicked and evil people. Like their nature, their nature is wickedness. Okay, that's, why should we be shocked if that's what they do? But it's, you know, I, aren't, so we understand, you know, when people, when there's young people and they go and they shack up together and like, oh, that's terrible, you know? Well, now we got the old people doing it. I got several customers, they're in their 70s, and their partners die, and they just move in together, because if they get married, it complicates their, their financial stuff, and it's simpler just to stay single. I do have one customer, they had a church marriage, but not a legal marriage. Figure that one out, okay? So they went in front of the pastor and they said the vows that they'll stick together, but they didn't change their names or anything like that so that they doesn't complicate their, their legal things. 
my, my dad had a, a little house that he moved into later on, and he was renting it out. And Jill was living there with her two boys, and one day, Jake showed up. Not Jack and Jill, but Jake and Jill. Anyhow, one day, all of a sudden, here was Jake living at the house. Well, we can't let Jake live there. I mean, that's, that's like, that's fornication. We can't let that happen. Well, did their nature change? Like, are they worse now than they were before? I, no, I said they're sinners sin. That's just what we should expect of sinners. That's what sinners do. I had a lady want to come rent my house. I had a, I had a smaller house. And uh, I always kind of checked out references, and, and she let drop that she knew this neighbor lady over here was a good friend of mine. So I called Bev up. I said, hey, Bev. I said, so-and-so wants to rent my house. Is that, you, is that, you know, you're good friends with her mom, she said. And, and well, she says, the, so here's this neighbor lady. I go to the local Lutheran church, and she says, well, she says, I'll, I'll just let you know right up front, she's gay. Okay, so she's a sinner. I didn't think she was a saint before. Now I know she, that's the kind of sin, she, like sin or sin, that's what they do. Um, we shouldn't be shocked by that. And all of us are sinners, okay? That's the way all of us work. And just because you were born a Mennonite sinner doesn't make you better than an atheist-born sinner. You're still a sinner. And we we have this idea, you know, we just grow up in the church and we go to this Sunday school class, go to that Sunday school class, go to that Sunday school class, and we're in the baptismal class, and, and, and we've... Like, we haven't really done anything bad, and, and you know, those who've been involved in the world, they should appreciate their salvation more than those of us who haven't been. Well, I tell you what, we should all, we've all been lost. And we could be grateful we don't have the consequences of those things. There, there is that result. But we're just as lost. So how do we do this? What is God's plan? I think I'm going to run out of time, but we'll eat when we're done. So what was God's plan? How does God how does God come and redeem us? Because He wants to come down and help us, but He can't because we're wicked and sinful. And we want to go to Him and we can't because we're wicked and sinful there. So how does that happen? Go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11 to verse 14. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, as I say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth through the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So we, the only way we can get from to the presence of God is we have to take care of sin. So in the Old Testament, they had to, they had their sacrifices, but the the the, atone, the sacrifice of atonement was a heifer and the sprinkling of blood and ashes and all this very complicated things they went to. So how do we, how do we get, how do we take care of that sin? And they, they, so man down here would offer these these sacrifices, which just covered their, just covered their sin for the year, and then but their sin was still there. 
So how do you get rid of this sin so that we can have access to God? And man can't be that sacrifice because man's unholy. We all have the sin nature. There's no one that, had, that is good enough to be that sacrifice. So this is why Christ had to come. Christ had to come so that we had a perfect man for the sacrifice. But God could not come as God to do that. Because if God came as God, he would destroy us. So God had to come as a man so that he was on equal footing with us so he would not destroy us. So that he could be the perfect sacrifice so that we could have this connection. And so he, he bridged this great gulf here with the cross. Poet voices 20-some years ago. Um, I can't think of the guy's name now. Uh, Phil Cross wrote the song, Jesus Built a Bridge. Uh, and I, I was over at Bible school this morning with my headphones on because my speaker isn't very good on my, speak, on my computer, seeing tenor at the top of my lungs. And I had the door locked so no one could come in and hear me. I didn't have to worry about it unless, like, unless Richard comes in. But I, I was like, oh, he'll hear this. One day they nailed a carpenter to a rugged tree, thinking he would never build again. There they held him through his hands and feet, and still he carried out a master plan. The Lord looked from heaven to the world below, and it seemed that there was no way to claim his own. He couldn't do it. So to the world God's son, the master builder had to go to make a way to bring God's children home. Jesus built a bridge to heaven, or a relationship with God, so that I could have a way up to him. Jesus built a bridge the only way he could, with only three nails and three piece, or two pieces of wood. With one rugged cross, Jesus built a bridge. And are we glad he did? So that he could take away our sin. And so, salvation, being saved, is simply me understanding that there is no, that I am evil, my nature is lost, and the only way that I can come to God is through Jesus Christ. And so, in faith in Jesus Christ and His shed blood on Calvary, we accept this, we accept this here. And I realize how awful I am, I see that I'm damned, and I see a bridge, and I accept that. And so if we come back to our illustration here, now my spirit, God's spirit comes and lives within me, and I again have that connection to heaven. And we pass from that first part of Ephesians chapter 2, where we're, we're darkness and we're lost, and we go to the end of Ephesians chapter 2. Um, let's just go there real quick. So we go from being dead in trespasses and sins, Two, for by grace are you saved through faith and that knowledge yourselves. It is the gift of God. We are His workmanship in Christ Jesus. We go from, from loss to light. We go from, from, um, damned to saved. We go from death to life. We've passed from, from this lostness to a bridge and we have access to God and we have redemption. We've passed from a black heart and now our heart has been Wipe clean, as we talked about before, and we're justified. We've passed from living with sins to being sanctified and having those sins cleaned up in our lives. We've passed from foolishness to wisdom and thinking wise thoughts. We've passed from lost to perfect in Jesus Christ. And it's all because of Jesus. Like, we can't, we can't redeem, we can't clean up our sin, we can't restore our relationship with God, we can't 
We can't be sanctified of our sins. We can't... So we looked at the wisdom of this, of God looks like foolishness to the world. And all those things are because of Christ. It's not because of anything that I have done. I can't do anything. It's all because of what Christ has done in us. Now, as we looked at the other night, there are things we do. But that is not... But this process of, of Jesus Christ, it's all because of what Jesus has done. So, where are you at this morning? Do you know what it means to be newness of life? Or maybe you've simply just done the things that look good on the outside. Maybe you're just miserably lost and never heard this before. I preached this as a church one time, and afterwards a guy came up to me and said, this black heart thing just gripped him, and he would need he had no, he was not a Christian at all. And he, he was just, just black heart, just, just tore him up. And I said, well, you come tomorrow night, we're going to preach about redemption. And he said, well, he didn't know if he could. And I said, well, here's the, here's the story in a nutshell. And I just gave him a five-minute rendition of this right here. Next night he did come, and he's sitting in the back of the church, and I've, I've never preached so hard in my life. I, don't, I think his name was Jack. I never heard what, what happened to Jack. Maybe you're like that. But have you been redeemed? Do you know the Savior? Have you been justified? Are you being sanctified? Have you been made perfect in in love? So when you woke up this morning, did you have dread in your heart? Or did you wake up this morning with, Good morning, Father. It's a beautiful, isn't it a beautiful day out there. I walked out and so I was like, Wow, Lord, this is like, this is great. Is that the way you woke up this morning? Becoming a Christian is is not just a a casual, it's not like something, well, I'm, I'm 15, I'm old enough now. It's a life-changing experience. It's going to set you on a different course. You're going to live your life differently. Do you know Jesus? 